The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, good evening and welcome to this month's edition of the Disability Report. On the show this evening, I'll be chatting as usual with Ari Searles, National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa, who own Rolling Inspiration magazine. And we'll be talking about Ari's favourite topic, e-tolls. We'll also be speaking about the December-January road crashes and the resultant injuries and deaths. And on a happier note, we'll be speaking about driving ambitions. We'll be finding out about the upcoming Wings for Life World Run. And in this regard, I'll be chatting with Vanessa Haywood, who's an ambassador for this unique event. Now, you may remember Vanessa. She's a Miss SA finalist. Well, she was. And she was star of the international hit movie District 9. And that's besides all her amazing sporting achievements as well. Then, with today being World Cancer Day, I'll be joined this evening by Lauren Pretorius, CEO of Campaigning for Cancer, and we'll be discussing the stigma with which some people have to live once they're being diagnosed. And as you may have heard in the news, today saw the launch of the campaign known as the Voice of Cancer at Anti-Stigma Project. And then Dress Millard, chairman of Extreme Abilities, will be on the line, and he runs a company offering some amazing adventure and leisure tours. And just a reminder, if you need any information about something you hear on the show this evening, take a look at the Facebook page, Disability on SAFM, or you can email me directly on disability at safm.co.za. Well, that's the lineup for this evening. I do hope you'll stay with me and enjoy the show here on SAFM. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, as usual, we start the show chatting with Ari Searles. He's the National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa. And this month, we'll be chatting about e-tolls, Ari's favourite topic. We'll also be finding out more about driving ambitions, as well as the rather sombre topic of the December-January road crashes and the resultant injuries and deaths. Ari, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Karen, Good evening. Right, so your favourite topic. I know Johannesburg was in a bit of an uproar yesterday with the taxis who've, since, since if I've got the story straight, were told that they weren't going to have to pay e-tolls and now they do. Well, first of all, it's not my favourite topic. Well, I was no. being facetious, you know that, Harry. Um, of course, of course. You know, it's unfortunately, uh, this is the bull terrier in me having to deal with the e-tolls are still around. They're busy billing us now and we still need to be vigilant. We need to have civil courage. And we need to resist breaking down, and we need to have our rightful place within the infrastructure of exemption. So some feedback. Thank you for the opportunity. Um, the politicians promised exemption for people with disabilities or certain people with mobility impairments. Those were never given. Now, I'm not sure when we last spoke on the program, but they launched details on 3rd December, which was International Day for Persons with Disabilities. I mean, what an absolute... ironic. Mm. Subsequently, people are now getting their first bills in the post and some threatening SMSs. I'm... Uh, with it, the organization, Quasa, has lodged a complaint with the Human Rights Commission, and we are in a process of challenging discrimination um, that this, we believe Samuel is discriminating against people with disabilities. So it's a slow process, unfortunately, but it's one which we want to follow, and we think that we'll win, and we'll show um, Samuel that... They really should have put a place, something in place before they ignited this uh, system of, of raising revenue so that people who do not have alternative means of um, transport and other modes of transport who can only use roads must have the opportunity for exemption, very much like the promise they made for the minibus taxi industry. I mean, that's quite a complicated political promise they made, which they haven't delivered. And so, of course, that group is huge enough to mobilize and make an impact. Um, 
So my message to people with disabilities in the Gauteng area, um, if you're circulating there, now, don't pay your bills. You know, let's present them to the courts if we have to in the end and ask the judge, can you really rule against us if we didn't have the choice of using any other method of transport? So, um, you know, we really need courage and we need people. You're welcome to contact Quasa. And if you want to talk about uh, the position you're in, if you're feeling uh, fearsome that you're receiving these accounts, uh, we are in a process and I do believe that we will manage to get exemption. Corin, we want cooperation with Sanrail. We will never give up the opportunity to talk face to face. But in the meantime, we, you know, we, we shuffling paper around, you know, and we being vigilant about uh, maintaining our rights. Right. So on to, let's get rid of all the, the the sad topics first. That's that's the first one. The second one is the December January road crashes. How did yes, we do over the holidays? You know, we have this buckle up campaign, which you mm. always give me an opportunity to talk about, and so we make a bit of an impact. Um, but the Minister of Transport then announces 1,400 deaths on the road this December-January period. But what she doesn't announce is how many people died after they were collected by the ambulances later on in hospitals, and I think we would be horrified to know that figure. But more importantly for the disability sector and NGOs working in the sector is how many people have remained catastrophically injured who will now be people with disabilities. We as an organization that cater for quadriplegics and paraplegics, we want to know how many quads and paras were, were, were made uh, from road crashes so that we can budget accordingly, you know, we can deploy resources and we can uh, start supporting those families uh, and units of people that have been injured. So, you know, the sad reality is they just count deaths on the road. They don't count what the damage has been done to other South Africans who, who didn't die and are now recovering and being rehabilitated. So we have written to the minister. We say give us those figures so that we can support you in partnership, you know, NGOs like ourselves and others. Um, but nothing forthcoming, uh, just something to think about, you know, every time there's a death. How many other people got injured as well? Well, can we move on to something more lighthearted here, Ari? Driving ambitions, that's always fun. Yes, it just give me an opportunity to give a punt. We've got a wonderful project running in Johannesburg and Pretoria where we give opportunity for people with mobility impairments that need adapted vehicles to learn to drive. Quas is the NGO to, to call if you want the opportunity to, uh, to try and register and come onto the program. So, you know, we're always trying to uh, put this project on the map and, and get people, as many people as possible, driving. Just to mention, Corin, before you, you put the phone down on me. No, I'm not going to do that for, just yet. Wings for Life, it's, I'm so glad to hear that. Yes, they're, they're coming up the, next. Um, on the program, hmm. you know, Red Bull have got a wonderful program going, and Quas is definitely going to be involved. And it's an opportunity for South Africa to contribute to the world's initiative of raising money for research for cure. So we also are looking forward to our engagement with them. Are you coming down? Because oh, the, the South African leg is going to be run here in, in oh, Franschhoek. Of course, of course. And it's on a wine farm yes, as well. Yes, it couldn't so. get better than that, could you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ari, I just wanted to ask you, the driving ambitions, that's in Johannesburg. I know there's been talk that possibly sometime in the future there'll be, you know, the, um, the It'll be people that aren't in Johannesburg will be able to come as well. I okay. mean, any we, anything this year? We would like to announce that we're going to be expanding into KZN. Oh, nice. Um, and, but, you know, Quasa knows of other driving schools. Uh, we ourselves can, you know, you can apply to us for support for other driving schools in other provinces, those that have got adapted vehicles. And we just feel that, you know, if there's not accessible public transport and you have the agility to be able to drive, we have a program that could support you through this process.
So all is not lost if you're not in Johannesburg. If you're not in Johannesburg, I'm sure we can make a plan. Right. Well, that sounds promising. Ari, I hope you have a really good month, and I look forward to chatting with you next month again, and hopefully we'll have some good news about something next month. Okay. Let's hope Thank so. You, okay, have a great evening. Thanks, Ari. Good night to you. Ari Sealis is the National Director of the Quad Para Association of South Africa who own Rolling Inspiration magazine. If you're wanting to get your own copy of Rolling Inspiration, they're now available at pick-and-pay pharmacies as well as being sold by subscription. And if you don't have a pick-and-pay pharmacy near to you, you can still get your own copy by subscribing. And to do that, you need to contact them via email on risubscriptions at telcomsa.net. And you can also find them on the web on www.rollinginspiration.co.za. And if you need any information from the Quad Para Association, you can always call them on 0860-ROLLING or take a look at their website, which is www.quasa.co.za. And Quasa is Q-A-S-A, so quasa.co.za. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, the Wings for Life World Run is the first ever event taking place at the same time in 38 locations all around the world. And in South Africa, as you heard Ari mention, the chosen location is Boschendal Wine Estate in Franschhoek with the local race start scheduled for 12 p.m. And that's South African Standard Time on the 4th of May this year. Well, to tell us more is Vanessa Haywood, and she's our South African ambassador for the Wings for Life World Run. And you may remember her as a Miss South Africa finalist and the star of the international hit movie District 9, but she's also a semi-professional mountain biker and a respected endurance athlete. No wonder she's the ambassador for this. Vanessa, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Karen. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. This all sounds terribly exhausting. Um, no, it's actually really exciting. <laughs> it's, it's so unbelievable to be a part of such a crazy project. It's so cool. So how did you get involved with the Wings for Life? Um, well, Red Bull is involved and uh, my fiancé is a Red Bull athlete. And, uh, yeah, basically that's how they kind of got me involved, and um, here I am. So what are you going to be doing? Are you, are you sort of going around promoting the run? Because the, the interesting thing, just to let people out there know, that 100% I mean, of the registration fees that you, obviously everybody who's participating pays yes. an entrance fee, 100% of that. Nothing is taken off for anything. All that money goes to the foundation for the research. Yeah. It all goes to uh, the Wings for Life um, research um, facility in Austria. And uh, if people out there don't know what they're about, they are literally working day in and day out um, trying to find a cure for spinal cord injuries. I also have two family members that uh, are paralyzed um, due to accidents. So I think, you know, it's far more common than people think. It would be amazing for me to see, you know, one of my family members able to walk again one day. So it's just a phenomenal, phenomenal um, foundation. And this is such an amazing project, you know, to raise funds. Um, yeah, hopefully we can find a, a cure one day. How are we doing as far as entries are concerned here in South Africa? We're doing pretty well. And uh, it's really exciting. As you said, um, the event is taking place on the 4th of May at 12 p.m. at Bosch and Dull. And uh, at Exactly the same time. This is what's so exciting. At exactly the same time, in 38 different countries throughout the world, we are all going to be running at exactly the same time for people who can't run. And that's so special. It's not like they're going to be running on different days or different times. We are all going to be running at exactly the same time. And this has never been done before. It's really, really cool. But now the interesting... And, uh, sorry, carry on. Yeah, and the really fun thing is, is that there's also um, a chaser car. Mm. 
So the whole time that you're running, you're going to feel a bit like the hunted, <laughs> a bit like an impala being hunted by a lion. So I think it's approximately 15 minutes after we start the run. And they said half an hour in this. In this oh, the half, they no, said no, half, half an hour, so you've got a bit of time yes, to get going. Um, and you can get going, but the thing is, is that the car does speed up uh, as time passes. So you're going to constantly be looking behind you to see if the car is coming and running faster and faster. So that's quite a nice concept. And tell them what so happens when the car catches you, because we haven't explained oh, yeah. how that works. So when, when the car catches you, it's basically like catches when you're a kid. You're out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can sort of catch a bus back to to Washington. Um, the logistics are all really well organized, so nobody has to worry about that. But, um, yeah, that's quite a fun element to the to the whole thing. And, Not, yeah, please, I'm just, yeah, I want to get as many people to enter as possible because, like I said, every single cent goes to the Wings for Life um, Foundation, and hopefully we can find a cure one day. Now, the, the thing about this all, though, Vanessa, is that there is one almighty amazing prize at the end, but it's, so it, it's very fairly done in that this, the chase cars, as they're known, will, are driving, they're set off at exactly the same time in all 38 locations. They all travel at a determined speed at every location because eventually there is one man and one woman somewhere in the world that is going to win this race. Yes, exactly. It's pretty cool because... Not only is there a winner in every country, there's also going to be an overall winner worldwide. It's basically going to be like the world champ. And, uh, you know, the, the distance set is a marathon distance, but the fastest runners, so your fastest marathon runners, may actually end up running further than 42 kilometers because if the chaser car doesn't catch them, they do another loop. <laughs> oh, re- I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's pretty cool as well. So, but the other nice thing about this, though, as well, and some of the, the stuff I was reading on the website, because they're saying you can go and run this anywhere in the world. So, if you feel like, I mean, we could have somebody coming here from, I don't know, England might decide, oh, no, the weather's not that great over there. Let's go run in exactly. South Africa. They might fly in here to run ours because it's going to be the same in 38 locations. So, we could have a lot of international runners coming to run in our beautiful country. I know. That would be awesome, wouldn't it? Hopefully, we can get some some awesome marathon runners. I know my fiancé will be there. He'll be running for fun. I don't think he'll be racing it, though. He's not a not a big fan of, of Bitchum, but uh, he's more of a trail runner. But um, he'll be there, too, so that's going to be awesome. And the thing is that there's no set distance that you're going to run because you basically, as Vanessa said, you're going to run till the car gets you. Well, not gets yeah, so, you. It's going to so, go past you, and that's it. Yeah, you really don't have to be, be capable of running a marathon. To be honest, I don't think I can. I mean, I'm a, I'm a cyclist. I don't know if I can run um, a full marathon anymore. And um, so it's just really, it's about, you know, you can get a bit of training in, obviously. And it's really just all about the fun and being involved. And it's going to be such an amazing day. And to be a part of a world first is pretty cool. So you can basically set your own pace. If you sort of think sort of 10 or 15 minutes into the run, you can think, oh, you know, really, that glass of wine at Boschendal seriously starting to sound really good. Maybe I'll just run a little exactly. slower and wait for the car to catch me. I mean, <laughs> that sounds like the way exactly. I might used to run the race. You know, I think that glass of wine is really starting to sound really good. Uh, just, the, I'm sure the car must be coming soon, you know. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but it's and your call. We've got, we, we've got some pretty fun training runs yes. um, every Wednesday mm. um, right up until the race, um, you know, just to build up some momentum and get some excitement amongst those that have entered and they're all over the country we've got um training runs um what tomorrow in durban and they start at the seapoint promenade um and everyone's meeting at um queen's beach parking that's the cape town one yeah durban yeah in durban they've got beachfront um durban beachfront promenade meeting at the pirates lcs parking i mean lsc parking 
And then in PE, uh, they're also um, getting together tomorrow night and every Wednesday thereafter, and they're meeting at Something Good Parking. And also, it's going to be run in Johannesburg as well, but they have, I don't think they've sorted out the location for that yet. I don't think they've sorted out the location mm. as yet, but there definitely will be Joburg training runs as well. But for the time being, we've got Cape Town um, at Queen's Beach and Durban at Pirates Parking and PE at Something Good Parking. And basically, if you're somewhere else in the country, but you're wanting to sign up for the race, just go and run by yourself. You don't have to do these trains. Yeah, They're not part of the, the thing. Run. This is just a fun thing that they've put together every Wednesday, sort of a, a sort of a camaraderie thing, a sort of, as they say in Afrikaans, a chis. You know, you get the chis going and you get yourself all organized yeah. for the 4th of May, so you get up for the day. And it's, it's, it sounds like it's going to be, I mean, this is absolutely amazing. We haven't told the listeners what the prize is, because, I mean, that might actually entice me to run further than that glass of wine. <laughs> well, um, to be honest, that, that, that I actually don't even know. Well, what I, the, prize the, the global, is. the global prize for the global champions, the one man and the one woman, who somewhere in the world are going to have been the fastest, they actually win around the world trip. Good lord, I didn't even know. Well, that's that. what I'm saying. I could actually. Something. I've been so involved with getting everybody yeah, to enter, sure. and I know I won't win, so I haven't <laughs> even been worried about the prize. I've just been like, "Come, you've got to run. It's going to be awesome." So what are you actually doing to generate some excitement here, Vanessa? It's really just about chatting to all my friends and, um, you know, getting the message out on social networking and, um, yeah, just getting the message out there and telling people that it's going to be loads of fun and they must join in. And as I said, it's the world first. And we've got 88 days and 14 hours and 37 minutes and 24, 23, 22 seconds left. <laughs> so go and I'm register looking, now. Is there a limit? I'm looking at the clock. Is there a limit to the number of people that they put it sort of letting run here in Cape Town or not really? Um, there is a limit because with eventing you mm. can't, you know, sort of have 100 million people on the road. But... Um, there, there, there is, there's some space left, so um, please sign up. It is one of those things that you can say, well, I did that, and not everybody's going to have done something like this. It's an international event that you can do in your own backyard, basically. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things that you can tell people about for years, that you were the, because this is the first ever one that's exactly. ever been done. And, um, Ryan, uh, my fiance, and I actually did a bit of a pre-run of the route a couple of weeks ago just to kind of check it out, and it's really pretty. The mountains in the area, um, wine farms, it's a really, really picturesque um, route. So, yeah, people won't be... Uh won't be disappointed. Obviously, there is an entry fee. This isn't something that you get sponsors for because you don't know how long far you're going to run because, as I said, that glass of wine and the catcher car. But, you know, you're going to pay an entry fee. And as we said at the very beginning, 100% of that fee goes directly to the Wings yes. for Life Foundation. So you can rest and, assured of that. Yeah. And people can go on to um, www.wingsforlifeworldrun.com and uh, they can select uh, Cape Town as their location or South Africa wherever they may be running and um, you know do you know take the entry from there the entry fee is 250 rand it's for nothing yeah to go and have I mean I I'm doing a race this weekend that cost me nearly 300 rand so Mm. you know it is it's a good price and look what you get for it you know the the chance to be in the unique position of having run in a world first race and raising funds for an amazing foundation and having the most amazing time in the winelands. I mean, gosh, for 250 rand, you couldn't actually go out for a day for that. No, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful day. It really is. Well, it sounds like a lot of fun, Vanessa. I'm sure you, um, you're going to be down there on the day, and I'm sure you're going to have a great time. Are you running on the day? I am indeed. I will be there for sure. Um, I've got a big race 
that week I get back, I think, a day before. Oh. So my legs are maybe a little tired. I'm doing a nine-day race. Oh, um, my goodness. Before that. <laughs> but, but I will be there, and I will be running, and the car might catch me within the first 10Ks, but that's okay. <laughs> At least you're there, and you're enjoying yourself. And as I say, they, they, I'm sure whoever's going to run is going to have an absolute blast. It's going to be a load of fun. I know, it's going to be loads of fun. It really is. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us this evening. It sounds amazing, and we'll catch up a little bit later if you're available, possibly just before the race, to spur people people on again those who haven't yes, yet entered so we'll catch up with you again closer to the time thanks a million Have thanks a good evening. you too vanessa thanks thanks Sarah. good night bye-bye, Bye-bye. Vanessa Haywood is an ambassador for the Wings for Life World Run, which will be taking place at the Boschendal Wine Estate in Franschhoek at 12 p.m. It has to be very precise on the 4th of May 2014. And if you'd like to get in on the practice runs, they're happening every Wednesday and tomorrow evening starting at 6 p.m. You can join in in Cape Town. You meet at the Queen's Beach Parking for a run along the Seapoint Promenade. In Durban, you can meet at Pirates LSC Parking before heading off to the Durban Beachfront Promenade. And in Port Elizabeth, meet up at the parking area at Something Good. Now, for more information on the Wings for Life World Run, take a look at the website. You can also sign up there if you'd like to take part on the 4th of May. As Vanessa said, it's 250 Rand. And it's going, 100% of that will be going to the Wings for Life Foundation for their research into spinal cord injuries. And uh, you can take a look at that. It's www.wingsforlifeworldrun.com forward slash Cape Town. The entry forms are all there. All the information is there. Please go and run for those who can't. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, with today being World Cancer Day, I thought I'd chat with Lauren Pretorius, CEO of Campaigning for Cancer, about the stigma that is sometimes associated with the diagnosis. And in fact, today saw the launch of the campaign known as the Voice of Cancer Anti-Stigma Project. Lauren, good evening. Welcome back to the show. It's been a while since we've chatted. Yes, it has. Thanks for having us again. So, you know, I was quite amazed when I started reading up about this campaign, the Voice of Cancer Anti-Stigma Project, and I thought to myself, really, is there a stigma attached to cancer? But apparently, by all accounts, there is. There is. You know, um, we always think of there being um, stigma attached to diseases such as AIDS, Mm. you know, but there is a huge amount of stigma attached to cancer. In fact, um, in 2007, Livestrong, one of our international partners, conducted a global study survey on stigma and how cancer was perceived in low- to middle-income countries, and one of those countries was South Africa. And they found that the one of the main factors that was stopping people access um, early diagnosis and early detection was in fact stigma. So it's qu- it's one of the main factors that is stopping our people getting to that doctor early and getting that early diagnosis. Is this cancer in general or particular forms of cancer? Um, well, you know, depending on the, the various stigmas, that, but the, there are general cancers within various communities that that um, have specific um, stigmas, particularly breast cancer and male cancers, as well as children cancers, um, ignorance about children, childhood cancer. Um, but in general, there's a stigma about cancer and misconceptions about cancer. Um, we like to say, you know, there's myths, and the reason the campaign is called The Voice of Cancer is because we spread myths by our voice. We tell each other myths. We, we spread those myths by telling each other the myths. And then those myths spread misconceptions about the disease. And those misconceptions then develop into stigma. 
and um, those stigmas then develop into the way we treat people with that disease. And um, unfortunately, that builds up fear. And, fear, and that fear realizes in people not getting the treatment they need. I think one of the biggest misconceptions, uh, well, in my view anyway, is the fact that cancer is contagious. Let's just put it out there. It's not. No. Cancer is definitely not contagious. You can't catch it from somebody you who has cancer. You can't get cancer from, from anyone who has cancer. If cancer was contagious, it would be like a flu epidemic. We would have, you know, in winter, everyone gets flu, yes. and then you, you know, you're going to get it, and it's, and and it's, you know, cancer's not like that. Cancer's not like that. You can touch someone, you can hug them, you can kiss them, you can eat from the same plate from them, you can drink from the same glass. You are not going to get cancer. Cancer is a is a is a mutation in the genetic genes. The cells go haywire, and they start multiplying. And that's got nothing to do with how contagious they are. Um, but the other thing I some, sometimes think is if you look at a family, you'll see possibly two or three members of a family with various mm-hmm. cancers. Now, that is not because they caught it from each other. That is because possibly they're genetically predisposed to a certain form of cancer. Yes, there's a, there's a, there, is, there is evidence that there is a, there's, a, there's a link, there's a, there's a um, family, a familial link to some cancers. But it must be saying that if you have cancer in your family, it doesn't mean that you're automatically no. going to get that cancer. And it also doesn't mean that if you don't have cancer in your family, you're not going to get cancer. Um, 90% of the cancers that are out there are not family-linked are not hereditary and are not genetically family linked to that. So we need to make that very clear. But there are some cancers that there is a trend that that there is some and there are and there are studies and, and scientists are doing studies into there there are genes that they are picking up that you can have a gene that is passed down from family to family. Um, and a lot of us will remember that with um, the story with um, Angelina Jolie where she yes. tested specifically positive for a gene. Now, you know, that, that she, could have, she could have got that gene from her, her family or she could have not got that gene. Um, you know, it's like getting blue eyes or brown eyes in your family. Um, so that is what scientists are testing now. They are, we are finding that some cancers do have those genes and some we haven't been able to see that, those, that they have a specific gene. Now, I'm always on the show very strong about saying to people you, that early detection is your biggest defense and you need to be checked from a certain age. You should be going for certain tests. But if there is a history of cancer, like particularly in men, if there's prostate cancer or testicular cancer, you need to be a little bit more vigilant. So that's really all it means. Just be a little more vigilant. And if there is no sign of cancer in the family, you still need to go and get yourself regularly checked for specific things. Just go and put your mind at rest. But please just early detection is your best defense against cancer. Absolutely. you absolutely 100% right there, Karen. And that's what worries me is that people, oh, well, you know, it's not sore. But cancer isn't, doesn't necessarily have to be painful. No, and, and, you know, a lot of the times when there are cancers that have symptoms, sometimes the symptoms are, so, are, are only developed once, once you've had the cancers progressed so far that it, it, 
you know, it's in a stage where it's so far progressed it can't be treated. And that's why when you have a symptom that has persisted for more than, than two or three or four months, you need to get that checked out. Um, you know, you have to know what the signs are, particularly with children as well. You know, children don't know what's wrong or right, and parents need to be vigilant on what is when their children are, you know, there's something wrong and uh, something off kilter with their kids. Because also that's another myth that children don't get cancer, unfortunately. It's a huge myth, and it's, and it's so sad because, you know, p- children are dying <laughs> because of it. Because people don't think it's, it could happen to a child. I mean, we all wish it would never, but unfortunately, in certain cases, it does. Yes, you know, um, between and the sad thing, the sad thing, Karen, is between seventy and eighty-five percent of children cancers, if it's caught early enough, can be is nowadays curable. There's a wonderful organisation called CHOC, yes. which really that's the field in which they work. Yes, and if you go to the um, CHOC website, which is www.choc.org.za, they actually have a um, signs and symptoms that parents can use. It's a, um, a really good tool that can help parents um, look and, and, and keys that can help them look for what are the signs that their children, you know, that there are symptoms that they need to look out for. So that's a good tool for parents to have. I was actually quite horrified when I was preparing for this chat with you, Lauren, that I received eight pages of <laughs> myths. And I thought there can't surely be that many myths about cancer. But I mean, And we cut those down. I mean, there were eight <laughs> pages of them. And I thought, oh, my goodness, really, people believe this? I mean, but the, one of the things I, I really, before we go into some of those, there used to be a very interest, a very um, effective advert, I thought. I think it was done by the Cancer Association, where they said back in whatever the year was, if you got all the cancer survivors in South Africa into one place, you could get them into a tent or something. And it sort of progressed. And then it was into a marquee. And then it was into the Cape Town Stadium. And then it was, you'd have to take over a city like Cape Town for all the cancer survivors. Because I think that's the other misconception, is that if you hear the dreaded word, you've been diagnosed with cancer, it does not necessarily mean mm-hmm. that you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Well, you see, the, the, the great thing, and I, and I can give you some, a little thing, um, international studies are in 1970, the overall median um, survival um, time for cancer, for cancer um, was one year. Now, median ta- cancer survival, what I mean by that is if you take a group of patients and you take the average time that that, patient, those group, that group lived, was one year. But in 2010, that has increased to six years. And this is all because of, now that's huge if you take it out in average and, you, and all these clever people with their statistics. Um, if, that's because of the improvements that we have in surgical and diagnostic and all those kinds of things. But if we look at just individual cancers, things like breast cancer um, have included, their survival rates have almost doubled and we're looking at more than 10 years median survival um, we're looking at colon cancer that has improved almost 17 fold in the last decade so it's it, it used to be around seven months now it's 10 years i mean these are amazing statistics you know, so it's not the death sentence that it used to be. And that time, um, I'm sure, yeah, is extending even more. To, if you're talking about a death sentence, you're talking the 1970s. You're not yeah. talking now. So that don't even go down that road. 
basically. One of the other myths, though, as well, Lauren, which is where you you come in as well, is the fact that, you know, once you have to go for treatment, you just have to sit in a little heap at home. I mean, some people really do have a bad time with with the side effects, but the new treatments, the new drugs, you can, to some degree, still lead a relatively normal life. And a lot of people prefer to keep working, albeit possibly not the full day, but that also then becomes an issue. And you are involved with something called the Cancer at Work Programme. Yes, we've spoken about that before. Mm. And, you know, one, a doctor said to me the mo- most amazing thing. He said, yes, there's been increases in drugs, you know, with regards to chemo. He says, but chemo, chemo and um, our medical director is a wonderful guy, Dr. Moodley. He says, chemo agents, they've not changed very much in the last few years. He says, but what has changed is the medication that we give you for the side effects, to help you with the side effects of those, of those chemo drugs. And those have allowed patients a new lease on life when dealing with the side effects of their chemo. And it's allowed them to return to work and be active members at work. And while for a short period of time they might experience, you know, a lag and have to stay at home and work in a little bit, they can return to work, you know, they might be sick, but it's not a case of you need to go and lie in bed for three months. And there are patients that return to work, carry on working through their chemo, carry on working through their radiation. And it needs to be through our Cancer at Work program, we speak to employees and employers and help them work together through the process in navigating that and understanding on how they work that and how they work together to make that an easy journey. And I'm assuming something like the Voice of Cancer Anti-Stigma Project now would be something that would be incorporated into when you talk to the, the, the work, at the work. yeah, Absolutely. And in fact, we used to include a lot of the myths, and that's one of the reasons that we launched this project, because we saw the take-up on, on the myths and, and people saying, just like you did, how you were like, I didn't know that there were myths yes. and stigmas. And that was the need that we saw on this, that we decided we needed to actually launch a specific project and launch it with partners that were getting into communities and doing education projects um, like ours um, that could start spreading the word. How have you found employers to take up something like this? At the moment, we are launching a um, corporate um, uh, campaign into it, and we've had good take-up, um, but at any time, any corporate can expect a phone call from one of the Voice of Cancer um, agents, and we would like every single corporate in the country to become involved in this because this is the first step in educating your employees about um, cancer, and it's one thing that can get that employee to go to the doctor and get that early detection and ultimately save their life. And just before we let you go, Lauren, I just want to go through some of the more, possibly the ones people have seen in the media. And one of them I remember from a number of years ago was it was being touted around that underarm antiperspirants can cause breast cancer. Yes. <laughs> and even hang on, wearing a bra, they said, could cause yes. breast cancer. Oh, no, sorry. Okay, the underarm antiperspirant one, because that one was quite sort of uh, stuck in the psyche Everyone for a while. Everybody was, yes. And I think the email mm. still goes around every now Possibly. and then. Possibly, yes. Um, well, I think in my research, what we picked up, we had done the um, Macmillan Institute as well as the FDA in America have no research. They've done research and they now have no conclusive proof that that is true. 
So I take that as pretty much that they would have done their research on that. So I have picked up virtually nothing when we were researching the development of this um, campaign that any conclusive proof and any studies that could conclusively prove that antiperspirants deodorant caused cancer. Um, and then there are always these, these things about the bra. The one was wearing a bra causes cancer, and the other one was if you keep your money in your bra, it causes cancer. Yes. Neither of those things is true. No. I can categorically tell you wearing your money in the bra is, um, is, does not cause cancer. If you look how, what cancer the disease is, it's the, it's the cells that go, um, the genetic makeup of the cells get confused and they start dividing rapidly, m- more rapidly than they should, and that's, what this, and that's why the cancer starts overtaking and why we get tumors and that. Now, how many can affect that, I don't know. So therefore, it's got nothing to do with your, the, the, your a piece of money, a piece of coin or a piece of paper cannot affect the division of cells. So that is completely untrue. With regards to the underwire bra, the, the confusion came in there where the breast is made up of, of, um, of ducts and it was felt that the ducts were um, uh, co- being, being blocked, blocked I think. off mm. by the underwire bra. And I must say, um, I, 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 spoke, I once heard um, Dr. Carol Ben, yes. who's a very well-known breast cancer mm. surgeon, talk about it. And she categorically stood in front of me and in front of the entire audience and said, that is untrue. <laughs> you know, she's very um, um, categorical and very... Um, Upfront about and, and what mm. she says, and she basically those were her words. That is untrue. If you look up the, at the makeup the, at, of the breast and the way the breast is is developed and the and the physiological development of the breast, it's untrue. There are enough of those ducts for the the toxins and the and the, and the drainage to happen, and the and it is not impeded. Right, okay. And the very last thing as well, Lauren, though, is that you also very much, when you talk about campaigning for cancer, a lot of the work that you do is campaigning for the right of people to receive the adequate and correct treatment. Yes. I think someone asked me today, if you could have, if you could dispel two myths, what what would they be? I said, well, the first one would be that cancer is a death sentence, and I think we've spoken about that Mm. today. But for me, the second myth, that we could dispel is that you do not have the right to cancer care. And I think, you know, by dispelling the first myth about that, we're making sure that people get early diagnosis. But by dispelling the myth of that you do not have the right to cancer care, we're ensuring that people fight for the constitution, their constitutional right to health care. Our constitution makes three provisions health care in it, of which cancer care is one of it. And we, there are international health care provisions and rights that are afforded to us. Um, every single member of this country, this society, has a right to cancer care. Well, you heard it directly from Lawrence. So if anyone tells you otherwise, that's a myth. It's untrue. Don't believe it for a minute. Lauren, it's been an absolute delight chatting with you. Um, the subject wasn't delightful, but I think we've dispelled a lot of myths and hopefully people understand a little bit more about 
what their rights are and about what possible causes and the not causes of certain cancers. So hopefully we've put a lot of people's minds at rest this evening. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a lovely evening. You too. Good night to you. Good night. Lauren Pretorius is the CEO of Campaigning for Cancer. Now, if you'd like to find out more about what they do, take a look at their website. It's www.campaigningforcancer. And the four is the number four. So campaigningforcancer.co.za. Or if you want to find out about your right to treatment, for to cancer treatment, you can call the Ask Now call center on 0861 275-669. The Disability Report with Karen Key. Well, in 2008, Dries Millard was paralysed in a motor vehicle accident, and prior to the accident, he was a promising athlete and found himself then having to start over and adapt his life to his disabilities. And in doing so, he's now helping many others come to terms with their disabilities, but in the process, not forgetting to enjoy life to the fullest of their abilities. He's a motivational speaker as well as being chairman of Extreme Abilities and this evening we'll be chatting about some of their adventure and leisure tours all geared to the disabled community. Dries, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hello, Corin. Nice speaking to you again. The last time we chatted towards the end of last year, you were getting ready for this adapted surfing event out at Big Bay. I mean, how did, that must have been amazing. I think we spoke to you just before that, that Yeah, happened. it was two few days before mm. and it was great. We had 80 people with different disabilities that took part and that day, and it was really, really great. We had a lot of new sponsors. Um, so far, it was the best and the biggest one yet. And I think um, we really set the bar for the future events. Now, for something like this, Dress, you need a lot of helpers as well. I mean, you need people to assist the people that are going to be surfing. Yes, yes. We had about between 60 and 70 volunteers on the day, which consisted of the Malkbos NSRI, um, the Big Bay Life Service Club and ISA qualified surf coaches and then volunteers out of the public, local surfers, um, uh, friends and family. So yeah, we had a lot of help and volunteers that made, 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 made part with the day. Excuse me, so that was really a successful event and I'm sure is another one coming up this year again? Yes, the next one is scheduled for end of April in Langebon as part of, as part of the Langebon Lagoon celebration and it's going to be a two-day event this time. Um, the, one is going, the one part is going to be for, for kids, the disadvantaged kids and the second day is going to be strictly disabled people. Again, it's community surf event so it's free for everyone, friends and family more than welcome. Um, but more info on that will be put on the website um, up until uh, before before the before end of April. So yeah, keeps you busy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so just tell me how this all started, though, Dress. As I mentioned, that you were paralysed in a motor accident in two thousand and eight, and how long after that did you decide that you needed? Because you were obviously quite athletic at the time, and thought, well, I need to do something. <laughs> well, I, I was also always a big surfer, and uh, after the accident, I tried surfing again, and, and it was a big fail because I didn't know anything about my body and how it works and so on. And um, so after my first unsuccessful surf session after the accident, I was sure, I, was, I mean, I was in, at home, yeah, I was at home for less than a week and I went back into the water and, yeah, it was a, it was a mess. Um, I went online and I searched for surfing for disabled and adaptive surfing. You know when you go into Google and you mm. search everything. And I came upon a guy called Christian Bailey, and he was a professional surfer in the ASP, also had an accident, spinal cord injury. And he started surfing again with all his surfing friends and com- connections and so on. And um, I made contact with him, and he basically gave me the outlines of adapted surfing and how it works. And I really enjoyed it and 
when I got back in the water and experienced the surfing and the, the healing process that it gave me, I decided to do my surfing instructor coach, Ache Gochia, course with, with ISA, the International Surfing Association. And uh, I, facilit- yeah, I went through Surfing South Africa. They facilitate the course here in, in, in South Africa. And, yeah, I became a coach. And with them, with Surfing South Africa, we hosted the first event in 2011. Everything spiraled from there. Um, on the on the adapted surfing side of, of, of extreme abilities. So now you've got this business as well called extreme abilities. Yes, and you, yes. I mean, seriously, some of those things, I looked at them, I thought, no, you're seriously crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, extreme abilities is basically um, two two businesses under the same brand. The one is the non-profit company where we do the adapted surfing and so on for less fortunate people living with disabilities. And um, the other side is for... Uh, those individuals with a high craving of extreme sports and thrill and adrenaline, um, but living with a disability. So the thing in, in South Africa is there's still that thing about when you're disabled, you are not able to do anything. And most companies um, that, that do leisure and adventure tours um, often say that they, don't, they cannot accommodate, not because they don't want to, because they don't know how to. And they don't even know that it's possible. So it's just a basics given that if you want to go to a tango for instance you can't and i can tell it from personal experience i went there this holiday and i did everything there and it was fun um so what extreme abilities offers people is to go out and do stuff like shark edge diving skydiving paragliding abseiling you name it we do it um we source specific uh service providers in each field and I personally go and test everything out, um, see if it works, go to the accommodation, see if the accommodation is work. Because that's another thing on disability touring and tourism mm. is uh, mismarketing. People not understanding the term disability friendly or accessible. And they've got all these nice grading council has this nice list of things that you have to have in an, an accommodation set up or uh, in a public uh, place and so on. And then you get there. The ramp is there for a wheelchair user, but sometimes the ramp will be at 45 degrees, which is impossible even for an able-bodied person to normally walk up there. Um, or they would have a bathroom which is completely set up with handrails and seat sanitizers and everything, but then when you come with a chair, you don't fit through the door. Yeah. I was talking to somebody once who went on on a ship here in South Africa, went up the coast, I think from Cape Town to Durban or something, a couple of years ago. And she specifically went because they said they had wheelchair-friendly accommodation. And they did. I think they had two cabins yeah. that were a, 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 could accommodate a wheelchair. And she said it was all very well because she could fit in there, everything was at the right level, except when she, for example, tried to hang up her clothes, they had forgotten to move the rail down. So she couldn't <laughs> hang anything up because the rail was too high. And the towel rail, I think, it was one of the other yeah. rails in the bathroom. She couldn't couldn't reach that either. So she said they, they were about 90% there, but she said it's those little things that sometimes yeah. they just don't think about. Yeah, that's the thing. I go out and I test everything. So all, all the stuff on our itinerary is, is tested and guaranteed to be hassle-free and disappointment-free. So um, everything that we do, you just go come with us and enjoy your time. There's no worrying about will I be able to go there, will I be able to do my routines, um, what happens if I do have to use a toilet and there's no accessible place? You know, so there's none of those worries. With us, you are guaranteed to have a accessible, friendly tour. And as you mentioned some of the things. I mean, there's things like quad biking, for example, and obviously especially adapted quad yes, bikes. Yes, yes, yes. We've got, we've got 
adapted quad bikes. Um, it's most of the quad bikes is, is, is semi-automatic, with uh, because you want to have that experience of changing the gears and feel it. So if you're not into that automatic scene, we've got semi-automatics with hand um, levers for the gears. Um, so yeah, we've got and we've got kayaks that's adapted for 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 specific uh, spinal cord guys, paraplegics, even the higher guys. We've got the T2 paraplegic that goes kayaking, no problems. Um, and we've got people that actually knows how to assist you getting in and out of the water, in and out of the car, on and off a four-wheeler. Um, and if you do fall, we've got the staff to get you medical assistance where needed. So, yeah, we've, we've, we've sorted in, <laughs> in every way of, 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 of your needs and every specific disability. Yeah. Now, what about people that need continuous assistance? Are you able to deal with that as well or we've not? Got, we've got an uh, ICU qualified nurse on, this, on, 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 on the tours if you request it. Um, and then we've got specialists in, in, in specific disabilities that we source. Um, like if you need a, a, a translator, we, can, we have a translator that we source. And uh, if you need someone with a specific treatment that you, uh, your dialysis and all that, we source all that in. But we like to focus on mobility impaired people with the aim of becoming more independent. Because as part of the whole tour is we do only do private tours focusing on families and uh, post-rehab patients that fresh out of rehab, new to the whole sudden or new to the whole disability scene, suffered from a sudden disability, and now they're ready to start their life and get back onto the horse. So our tours are focused on how to get the family to get used to the chair, and we show, show and teach how to get um, like, you know, in, in, in rehab, you're in a closed, safe environment, and you've got your OT, and you've got your physiotherapist, and everything is there and ready for you. But the real challenge actually starts out of rehab, when you have to go on your own, and you get to a place, and there's stairs. Okay, now what do you do with stairs? Or you get to a place, and no one understands what's going on, what's going on because um, they see the wheelchair, or they see... Uh, uh, your crutches or whatever, and they don't fully understand what your needs is and they just assume that you need assistance in everything and then they come and they try to help you and they make a big spiel of it and at, at the end of the day everyone is frustrated and confused so um, with our tours we give you we give the patient or the tour, disabled tourist and their family the tools and the skills of how to handle that awkward moments in society when people do not understand your specific situation so that's one of the nice things. When you finish with our tour, we want you to feel confident in your disability. We want you to have a changed perspective and hope for, for your life um, and actually want to go out every day and doing your thing. It's a whole lot more than just going off on a trip with you guys, obviously. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Apart from all the fun stuff, yeah. we work in a lot of uh, psychological boosts and um, because... It's one thing to say, yes, I want to go shark age diving and talk about it and tell people about it. But actually going to do that, you have to mentally be prepared to go out of your comfort zone and be prepared to leave your chair behind and actually rely on what you have remained. You know? And that's what we like to focus on, giving you that skill and that knowledge that you are able to actually go without your chair when you have to. You know? So... Um, 
but it's yeah. not it's not all just about the extreme stuff with people listening to this thinking well i would have liked to have gone but i really don't want to go jumping off table mountain or you <laughs> no, also do the leisure all, tours as well you have the more sedate kind of things if people are more interested in in going for a lagoon boat trip or west yes. coast tour or something like you you offer that as well so you've got both ends of the, sca- of the yes, spectrum yes we've got we've got your fishing trips if you want to do deep sea fishing we've got that um we've got your cruises and my favorite is the wine tours. We do yes. awesome wine tours. <laughs> um, and then we've got your sightseeing. And the nice thing about the sightseeing is all the museums that we go to is uh, before. Sometimes that's one of the things that really bugs me is when you get to a place and they have to take you through the back door. Yeah. You know, I don't really, really, when, when, when someone talks about the back door, I'm just saying, I'm going to go to the next place. Yeah. Now, so we make, beforehand, we make arrangements. If it's possible to put a ramp on there, we make arrangements for a ramp. If there is uh, a possibility for like three or four steps and they can't, cannot accommodate, we make arrangements. There's people that can assist you in and out of the building. So uh, we've got the leisure to a side. If you, uh, 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 you want to get out and get a bit of exposure, um, but not up for jumping out of the airplane, then we've got the leisure to a side for you. We can do it mellow and chilled if you, if you want to do it that way. Do you have a lot of international tourists coming for this dress? Well, we focus specifically on international tourists um, with the currency and everything in the mm. differs. Um, that's one of our main targets because the tourists and these activities are quite expensive. You know, It's, it's not cheap to go do shark race diving or go do sure. skydiving. So uh, for those that can afford it in South Africa, that's great. But our target market is, is uh, generally uh, um, overseas clients, yeah. But then you are doing your bit here. I think it's called Extreme Ability Communication. Uh, so community Works. Yes, the Community Works. That's mm. where the NPC part comes in. We cater for the less fortunate on the NPC part. So we like to do the best. Of, we, give, want to, we like to give everyone the same experience. And, um, yeah, so the, the NPC is also focused on a, on a larger group. You know, it's a, it's a big social, social event that we do on the NPC side. But with the private tours, it's more focused, intimate, uh, family experience that we offer. Well, I think you're offering a wonderful service, Trace, and, and um, long may you be there f- to help people, because I think when you talk about it's not just the trips, but it's also that psychological boost that you're giving them, yes. which means, I mean, that must must be very, very valuable. I think almost more valuable than the trip they've just been on. So, What was nice <clears throat> is if, like specifically now, people that's fresh out of rehab, and mm-hmm. when you hear their stories and how they doubt the future, it's, it's, it's always, it brings back time when I was there, and then I wish I had something like what we offer when I was in that situation. And then afterwards, to see the light in the eyes and the hope and the excitement, that is the reward for me at the end of the day, is to see people actually forgetting that they lost everything and seeing what, actually what they gained in the process. Driss, it sounds like you're doing an amazing job. Thank you so much indeed for your time, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again in the future to find out more. It must be lots more exciting things coming up. But thank you for your time this evening. We'll chat again soon. Definitely, definitely. Thanks for, for letting me talk on the show. Only a pleasure. Thank you so much. Good yes, night to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Driss Millard is Chairman of Extreme Abilities, and if you'd like to find out more about what they offer or if you can assist them in any way, you can call Driss on 082 573 
0289-082-5732289 or take a look at their website www.extremeabilities.co.za. Well, that's it for the Disability Report. Next Tuesday, the We'll be back with our monthly phone-in. We'll be talking about arthritis, so join me for that. But in the meantime, I'll be back with Time to Travel tomorrow evening at 9. If you need any information about something you've heard on the show this evening, take a look at the Facebook page, Disability on SAFM, or email me on disability at safm.co.za. I'm Karen Key. Thanks for joining me. But right now, it's time for Stephen Kirker and some late-night music. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Karen. Guess what I saw my doctor about last week? Yes, arthritis. So I'm going to definitely check that one out next week, Tuesday. Anti-inflammatory, sore thumbs, sore fingers, uh, hip bones. Yeah, it's an age thing, I suppose, in most cases. More information next week, Tuesday, for sure.